Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Made in New Zealand, the Balance Pure Performance Range is available at Chemist Warehouse, starting from just $62.99. Save 10%. This is Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Friday, 15th of April 2022, and we're live back from the scene of the crime, and what a crime it was. We've come down here and raided it. The race by Grins, self-assured and SCNZ. We've got it done. Welcome into the show this morning. If you joined us last night, thanks for your company. It was a, an excellent night down here at Cambridge Raceway, and uh, Kimpy and myself are here for Baz Nizzy for breakfast, and SCNZ right through till 11 a.m. this morning. And then we'll hand it over for the team to get through the rest of the day on a good Friday. So if you're travelling, please drive safe and stay tuned to SCNZ. We've got lots and lots to keep you entertained with. Later on, we'll catch up with Robbie Patterson talking Coventina Bay. We'll try to pin down the magician, the little genius himself, Mark Purden. And of course, we'll catch up with Daggy because it's Blues Crusaders night. And I cannot wait for the Blues to go to Christchurch and have to be all cold and go in there and get beaten up in the Fords. It's going to be a great game. Warriors this weekend as well. So much. And we're sitting here, of course, in the aftermath of winning the $900,000 race. I've got the trophy here. I've got Kempe here. And Kempe, you are in one piece. I am. I made it last night. I made it through the night. And uh, I I just wish that Izzy was here, man. It would have been a great night. Like, we talked about it all week, about how the race was going to pan out, and as it was coming down the straight, Joe was, like, walking around in his white pants. You were, like, bouncing off the ceilings, and it was just, it was just a wonderful night. And I, and I actually, actually had to get the trophy. Imagine, like, no one told me that I was up there getting the slot. Like, here it is in front of us. I don't know if that was the plan. 
But whatever happened, you've ended up with the trophy, Kemp. You've done a great job. You've brought it home. I watched back some footage this morning of us, Mick and I, and, and everyone, and our, our shareholder, Brett, when self-assured, right in front of us about the 150-metre mark here, he was at the front. He looked like he had enough legs in him, and everybody was losing their mind around us. It was one of the great experiences, and we'll talk about that, reflect that throughout the morning. But it is Easter Friday, and we are in the heart of thoroughbred country. So while we're down here, we thought it would be a great opportunity to catch up with a man who's taken over a new role in the last month. Um, fair to say he's been influential in keeping racing afloat during COVID times. He's going to be very influential for the success of thoroughbred racing in New Zealand and, of course, then Australasia over the next wee while. It's the new CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, Bruce Sharrick, who's joined us this morning down here at the scene of said crime. It's very good of you to join us, Bruce, uh, in person. Of course, there's a, a whole other story of you and Kempi and how you guys know each other. But first of all, thanks for coming down to see us. And you were here last night. Yeah, I was. Look, firstly, pleasure to be here. What a, what a great outlook, sitting here with a beautiful day. Uh, it was a, a really good night last night here. Um, so, yeah, I was hosted by the uh, by the Tarapa crew, Tarapa uh, Thoroughbred Racing. So it was a fantastic night. Um, yeah, couldn't think of a better way to spend my Easter Friday than with you blokes sitting here <laughs> looking at a, a trotting track. Yeah. Said with a lot of liquor sarcasm. No. Not at all. I'm sitting next to my captain in school, you know. Bruce was captain of our first 15 team, so, like, looking at him now was what I used to look, you know, when I looked at him when he was 15, he looked the same. Like a bloodthirsty flanker? <laughs> yeah, mate, he has, he, has an age, he has an age a minute. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Keep those compliments flowing. Well, we'll see, because um, it's a long hour. Uh, so, you guys grew up in Waitara. Of course, we know we've spoken to Al Sharrick a, a lot on our show. Bruce, we've had you on. We've had the back and forth between you and Kempi before Kempi was even hosting, the Philadelphia lawyer, um, the guy that makes no sense, former Warriors coach, Tony <laughs> Kemp. There's a lot of niggle between you, but you're, you're good mates, and this is the white of crew gone global, really. Yeah, I guess from my perspective, mate, we did. We grew up uh, from a very young age um, playing a bit of footy in Waitra. And, um, yeah, I guess the world evolves, and, and you end up where you end up. So uh, one thing that's stayed consistent as a friendship um, yeah we've all been around various parts of the world doing various things but yeah the the relationships and I think it's a special thing about our small um, town back back home you retain those friendships and every time we go home it's it's like you've never left so uh, yeah I thoroughly enjoy it sometimes you have enough of this fella but anyway you get that well, you're telling Joe <laughs> Blokes been absolutely yeah, tortured. I've only been here five minutes and Joe's copped it non-stop, so mate, I do feel for you. <laughs> Thank God he's not in the car, Joe. Uh, Joe Seriously. You, you might get a job off it, so you just you might be able to escape. This could be Bruce could be your ticket out of here. Hey, um, you know, you speak about that uh, small town New Zealand and where you guys, where you boys have come from. One thing I admire about you both and Al as well is how you've never forgotten where you come from. And I think it's important, and we're here for the next hour with Bruce, by the way, so if you've got anything you want to pass on or you want to ask, double eight, double three, we'll filter it out, or 0800 One thing that I really admire about you guys, you never forgot where you come from, and I think, Bruce, what you're about to embark on, the challenge as being the uh, skipper of New Zealand thoroughbred racing, that small town presence and never forget where you've come from mentality and, and grounding you've got, I mean, to be able to pull on that, I think it's going to be so important for you, because racing really is grassroots at the heart of it in New Zealand, and no matter how many $900,000 races where it's harness or gallops we run, at the heart of it is community people and Kiwis. And, and so that must be really helpful coming from where you've come from. Well, I, yeah, look, I think so. I mean, I understand the coalface. I understand I grew up with it. 
um, as a as a young young fella, I was uh, walking up uh, Airfield Road in Takindini with uh, Baggy Hillis and Dad and Alan. We were leading horses, so I've been around it. I've seen it. I I didn't get involved as Alan did and Dad did. Um, I went the footy way, and you know, here we have come full circle, and I'm I'm back involved. And I think it's just, I think racing as a sport is one of those things. Once it, it, it gets its claws into you. You uh, you stay connected in some way, shape, or form. But you are right. I mean, racing is uh, a very grassroots type, um, at, at its core, a, a grassroots type sport. Yeah. It's like, you know, that, I was talking to Bull last night, you know, about if we're sitting in a, you know, having a beer, going around the mountain and, and saying, like, 20 years' time, you're going to be running New Zealand racing. Um, I just think with the Sherrick boys, you know, because I grew up sitting beside them, Louis. You know, having having Bruce, who's been through that whole managing of you know, because because the other part of um, Bruce's capital was that people don't understand that he looked after all the best All Blacks in the in the game. You know, like he was he's a really good player manager. and He understands people, um, and then you got Alan, who's like he's our father. You know what I mean? Like he's just what you see is what you get. And I was saying to Bruce last night, you know, like who would have thought, you know, twenty years down the track, if we said. Man, in 20 years' time, you're going to be running New Zealand racing. Um, and here he is today sitting here, you know. And what do you reckon, Bull? Like, you sit here, you're looking out, you're on the racetrack, you're the boss. I guess you're the boss. Or do you see it like, say, let's say your five-year horizon. What's what's your goal? Like, what's your goal in five years? Oh, look, it's, it's hard to encapsulate in one sentence. But the reality is we've got to turn the business around. We've got to make it financially sustainable. Um, we've got to have a few... I guess confronting an adult conversations about the commercial reality of what we face, and um, the positive for me is the green shoots are there. They're definitely, the otherwise I wouldn't I wouldn't have come forward and, and had a go. Um, I genuinely think that we can do it. There needs to be, uh, I guess, collaboration throughout the industry and the parochialism within clubland, within different sectors. We have to start thinking of what's best for us as an industry rather than what's best for my own backyard. And I think the moment we do that, we're going to make some real progress. Let, let's let's have a look at it. Like, when you're looking at all the real estate, you know what I mean? Like, me and you have been in real estate all our lives, you know? Like, you, you're the bloke that taught me about real estate and buying properties and investing and um, growing, your, growing your personal wealth. When you, when you look around the country, like, we're sitting here today and we're in the middle of Cambridge and we're, what is it, five acres maybe that we're sitting on? What do you see across the country and the and the growth you can see if if the industry comes together and and takes that that capital um, that wealth that they've got just sitting in land itself? How do you how do you sort that out? Well, how do you sort it out is the hard part. The easy part is I think looking at looking at racing as a business. If you take a step back and let's not overcomplicate what it really is. The fact of the matter is that we're a business that conducts between 290 and 300 meetings a year. That's fundamentally what we put on. So what we have to ensure is that we've got an infrastructure to sustain that uh, number of events. We need to have uh, good racing services. We, we need to have better facilities. Um, and so when you have a look at that, you say, how many venues do you need? The, the reality is, if you go back to a McCarthy report, which I think was in the late 50s, early 60s, they commented then that we needed to rationalise the venue numbers. Um, you only have to look at the big centres uh, in New South Wales and Victoria, similar populations to New Zealand, and start adding up the, the tracks that they have. 
So it's not about closures. It's about coming together and saying, look, we have an asset base and we're very fortunate because what's happened is, I guess the urbanisation of New Zealand has occurred. Uh, the population's grown around our real estate and it's become very valuable. So we've got to get smart with that. I'll give you an example. Um, I had a discussion not long ago with a, a board member of Naitahu. So back in 1996, uh, Naitahu was awarded through their treaty settlement about 150 million, 170 million. Yeah. The first thing they did was they put a uh, trustee to wrapped around that capital and made it non-accessible to iwi. What they've done since then is invested that sum that's grown to just under 2 billion and they're distributing close to 60 million to iwi every year. And yep. so that's via different channels like they've got their seafood company, their tourism outlets and different, they had property, I mean they actually had a torrid time with the totally. earthquakes and COVID as well, totally. despite it. So, so the concept is not new, what I'm saying is I think racing needs to look at it that way and, and I think the, the biggest misnomer that sits out there in racing land is that NZTR wants the money and they'll fritter it away because there's been a past experience of that. Yeah. We need to stop that thinking. NZTR doesn't want it. The industry needs it. So the industry needs to uh, wrap around that capital sum, but future-proof uh, future it for the benefit of the industry going forward. So, Bruce, like the first thing that um, jumps out to me when I speak to you, and I've had a couple of conversations with you now, and the thing that smacks me in the nose is your pragmatism and your clarity around your thinking on actually what needs to be done to get... So I, I know you're a very clear thinker, and you, you, you know what you need to do. Where you also... Th the thing that you just alluded to there is the mistrust and the mm. distrust, because there have been administrators that have pissed off, trodden on, upset industry stakeholders, and not just one administrator. Like, there's been a... You know, there's no way we ever name names, and there's no way we need to. It's just... There's been a... There's been a lack of probably care for the people in racing, I think, and that's what they feel. So when you say this, even though it sounds like it makes you've, you've got the clear roadmap and it makes sense, there's just that last bit of emotive piece mm. of a human that goes, yeah, but why would I trust NZTR? And you see that misconception. So mm. the, for me, the overarching question is how do you rebuild those relationships that might have been broken? And and so you, you might have the roadmap forward, but without building and repairing those relationships, how can you implement them? Yeah, and that that's a that's a really valid point. And I think one of the things that I have to do is is go and talk to people from all all uh, ends of the industry, and talk in just realistic terms about where we sit. Um, the other thing is actually put in place something that they can see is not an ability for NZTR. And I want to separate NZTR and the industry. NZTR is a part of the industry. NZTR is part of the team. Yeah, sure. Um, I think in, in previous times, if I'm reading things correctly, NZTR has been seen as the person who's trying to either, I don't know, detract, uh, stop progress, whatever. Um, I think the other key point that people forget is August 2020 was when the new act came into play. Okay, so that gave the codes, and clearly I'm now talking NZTR, the ability to run and direct its own boat. And so that's what we're doing. Um, and, and we do have... We do have the ability, if we can put around um, what I just talked about, the capital sums that could be realised, and it could still be in development. I'm not saying we have to cash everything up, okay? But the reality is, if we wrap around uh, a framework that gives the industry confidence, that they will have access to the revenue that comes from their investments. What we have to assure is that that capital is not eroded. Mm. It's got to be intergenerational. It's got to be linked so that we don't look back in 10 years and CPI's eroded it, it doesn't have its value, all of those sorts of mechanics. Yep. 
But the simple thing is, if you've got ten million in asset and you cash it up and you become a tenant at, at another club and you still have your great day and you're generating a million dollars in revenue and you want to put half of that into stakes, half of that into infrastructure and some of it into community, we're all supportive of that. That's what we want to do. Um, so as I say, the industry needs you. That's where we have to come together. That's how I see it. And yeah, you're right. I, I've got to get around and I've got to talk to the people and say it's a straightforward and pragmatic way of recapitalising our business, future-proofing our business, so that we can look back and go, we're in good shape. I mean, if we look at rugby, rugby is going through a process at the moment where they're having to sell down between 5 and 8% of their business to capitalise it so they can go and do the things they want. They don't have real estate. They have a team called the All Blacks, and they try and commercialise it around the world. Yeah. We're different. We have some real estate. Different we have some asset. assets. 100%. I was, talking, I was talking to a guy last night, Bill, he, he's talking about rugby, about the um, Silver Lake deal. Is it called Silver Lake? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. And um, he sort of didn't get it. You know, like he's obviously a lot older than what we are. Um, are twenty Spring chickens. Yeah, yeah. And I was saying to him, look, you know, kids in, in 10, 20 years' time, they're not going to be like wanting to play football, but they want to put the VR system on, which is the Silver Lake, Silver Lake deal. And wear it, and go out there, and be a part of the game, and not get not get a part of the collision. And he was like, honestly, he was falling over. He didn't really understand it. And the question I've got for you is like, how do you take, like, and, and your brother Alan is a prime example. How do you take those guys who get it? Like, Alan gets it. You know what I mean? Like when you talk to Alan about real estate and investing in in, in racing. Um, but has been entrenched in that racing game for so long, how do you get them to move to your way of thinking? I think Louis touched on it's trust. Mm. They, they've, they've got to grow their trust levels, um, and, and that's our major job. Uh, we've, we've got to assure them with the framework we put around it that it is for the greater good of the industry. Um, and I think that's the key thing. We've just got to work with them to get them to understand. And look, as I sit here today, there's a number of very positive conversations going on around the country that have been initiated um, through NZTR and the clubs. We want the clubs to work together. We want them to come to their own solutions and work it out. I mean, ATR is a glowing example of what can happen when two clubs come together and start to benefit the industry. So, you know, with, with counties and Ellerslie coming together forming ATR, I mean, the, the fruits of that for the greater industry will be seen very, very shortly. I mean, at the moment, they're undergoing a, a, a renovation to see a Strathair track put in. Yep. A huge investment, huge infrastructure, benefit for our industry. And beyond that, I mean, stakes will flow. They genuinely will flow. People will see it start to come to life. And as I say, there are a number of very positive conversations happening as we speak here today. Awesome, Bruce. Hey, if you've got a message or a question for Bruce Sharrock, we're sitting here this morning uh, back at Cambridge Raceway. Where last night we won the race. That's Harness Racing with Self Assured. It was an amazing night for SENZ, for Self Assured, for Gene Feast, the owner, Mark Purden, uh, everyone involved. So we're sitting here at a racetrack. We're talking a, a slightly different code at the moment, Thoroughbred Racing. Uh, I think a lot of these themes and messages we're talking about when we put into the thoroughbred lens translate uh, across the codes, and it's a good distinction Bruce makes. NZTR is not the industry. They're a part of the industry. But if you've got a question regarding the thoroughbred code, double eight double three, or 0800 love to get you involved in the show this morning. As track work starts, because this is the most important thing I always like to remind people about racing. Racing doesn't stop. 
There's no last race, and a trainer, doesn't matter how big the winners the night before, they're thinking about the horses the next morning. So the people are hardened, they are good people, and they do care. And that's what we're talking about this morning with Bruce Sherrick, CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. We'll be back after this. Keep your messages coming on a double eight, double three. Baz Nizzi for breakfast with Kempi, Louie, and Bruce at the moment from Cambridge Raceway with Kim's Warehouse. Great savings every day. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. You certainly are. This morning, live from Cambridge Raceway, in the aftermath of the $900,000 race, which we won. We're looking at our trophy this morning that we've managed to take home. Kempi did a great job securing that in the prize giving. We'll be with you all the way through to 11, recapping what was a magical night for SCNZ, self assured, never uninvolved. If you're here on track, I'd love to hear from you later on the show. But right now, we're sitting alongside, and we're very lucky to be joined on Good Friday. I don't know if you're the religious type, Bruce, but you could be doing lots of other things with your family. Oh, he is, mate. <laughs> he is. Well, right now, we're in the church of thoroughbred <laughs> racing. We're at the altar with the CEO. I can't look at him, mate. I'm ser- seriously, all I'm just looking out at the horizon. I can't I can't turn my head to the, to the right, because I'll just start laughing. Why? Why? Oh, is that? I, and I just don't want to say anything to him, you know, because he'll, he'll end up smacking me. <laughs> I'm not that way, Louis. No, I, I, I think a lot of what Kempi says is unfair, but especially about you, Paul. I hope you were yeah. listening last Friday. Uh, I'm not sure if I was. <laughs> no, I, we, quite, no, I quite often have things to do in the morning. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you're a busy guy, because you're reshaping an industry. Wow. He texts me, he, Louis, Louis, he texts me, <laughs> he texts me when I was talking about, what's, what's her name, Dame... The the badminton player, what's her name? <laughs> Susan Tavoy. <laughs> he, he, he goes badminton. <laughs> when you were meant to be talking about squash. A squash. Yeah, he goes, you didn't say it once, you said it twice, mate. I'm like, oh, did I? Yeah, well, you, don't, you don't get a league player to talk badminton nah, or squash. Nah. <laughs> but Some of those knocks come back to haunt him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um... You know, people might say, well, why have we got a player agent running and running the New Zealand racing? Mm. You know, speaking of things doing other mm. things. Let's, can we just talk, because I believe a lot, a lot of the distrust around um, administration and racing comes from not knowing the people and not trusting mm. the people, or not kn- actually knowing the people. So you mm. first of all, the best thing, not the best thing, because lots of good things about you, but you've got Sharrick in your name. You understand where you've come from. You told us that right at the top. Where, where's your professional career been the last 20, 30 years, uh, Bull? And, you know, what, where have you made your way in... And how have you found yourself back here from a, a business point of view? Yeah, look, um, I, I guess the start of it was I, I've always had, uh, I guess, an interest in business full stop. And, I mean, even when, you know, uh, Kempi started playing footy, I was one of the blokes he'd reach out to to ask about contracts. I remember having discussions with a Gary Hetherington up in Leeds for him at one point. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it, but I was happy to have a chat. Um, from there... Uh, I guess the other side of, I, I guess, where I developed was finance. That was always something that was, you know, numbers I, I enjoy and mm. have always had an affinity towards that. Uh, I then, uh, I guess, I worked for the AMP uh, for a long time as they transformed into a financial services organisation from um, an insurance organisation. And then found myself in the retail game. So uh, I got into sports retail. I had a sports retail store and then brought into a nationwide franchise um, called Lifestyle Sports. Uh, At its peak, we had about 22 stores uh, throughout the country. And um, yeah, learned a lot about uh, business through that process. Um, And equally, as we came to the end of that great run, learned a lot on the way out. And uh, I think there's a saying, you know, not that we failed, but I think when you hit hard times, you learn a lot about the processes. And um, yeah, I certainly learned a lot. Uh, about business through that 
Uh, the sports side of things, uh, look, I've always had an interest in sport, never made it to the level uh, that I or like most young fellas want to. Yeah, same. <laughs> and, um, you well, know. What you could have done, because he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking, mate, he was this size when he was 12. Like, seriously, he's the biggest, he was the biggest kid in school, he was a captain of the first 15, and was used to carve sides up until some bloke threw you a ball from the wing, wasn't he? Yeah. What was his name? Gre- Gregory Cock. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's his genuine last name. Did a, did an ACL at high school, and that was the end of that. And in those days, they didn't repair it like they did today. So we had to play on, and I got a knee replacement about uh, twelve years ago because it wore out. Oh wow! So, uh, but no, look, I enjoyed sport, and um, always had that connection. And I, I guess for me, how the sports management thing kicked off was I was approached by a number of players. I mean, Walter Little uh, and I played rugby uh, in Glenfield. And uh, Walt got hit up to go to uh, Japan, and he he said to me, "Bro, can you give me a hand?" And I said, "Yeah, but I don't know what I'm doing." Yeah, but like what? Yeah, what, <laughs> what do you, do you want mean? Me to do? So long story short, we both went to Japan and ended up doing a good deal, and wow, that's kind of how it kicked off. Uh, he had a very good friend in Craig Innes, um, who I'd met through Kempi because they both played at Leeds. Mm. Post and I sat down, had a chat about what we wanted to do. He, he good practice, mate. Just a couple of cowboys, eh? Yeah, he good practice. And, yeah, I, I guess where we've ended up today is we've got, uh, I don't know, circa 1,100 clients globally. So are you still involved? I'm still an owner. I've devolved all of my responsibility. There's a there's a small number of top-end clients that I keep in contact with domestically. He undersells it, mate. But all the work's Seriously. done. He's, he's like the main man. That's why, that's why I talk to all the All Blacks when they come on and say, well, who, who's, your, who's your manager? Because I'm always pumping them up. You know, there's two there's two agencies in New Zealand. One of them one of them was essentially, is it? Yeah, well, they're called Halo. Halo, and then there's Bruce, Esportive. You know what I mean? Bruce and Posty. I remember Posty phoning me and said, "Oh man, I'm getting this. I'm getting this game. You know, like with Keenan, a guy yeah. called Keenan back in Aussie." And I said, "Man, you should talk to my best mate. His name is Bruce Sherrick. He goes, "Yeah, what's he doing?" I said, "He's a player manager, man." And um, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce you to him. Well, those two have been like best mates for what? best on 20 years now and I think Bruce undersells that part of the game like if you can be a player manager I call him babysitting like he he will go to the ends of the earth to look after the players and when when you look at it from a you know what he's doing with the racing industry like he's going to earn their trust and he's going to show them how to take this this game forward. Kimby it's exactly what I was curious about so you know, athletes at the peak of their powers are interesting characters. And, oh, they are. Man. And um, I'm sure you've got more stories <laughs> than I've had hot oat lattes. Um, some of the characters you're dealing with in New Zealand thoroughbred racing, they'll be hard to convince of your messaging. They'll be um, trying to pick holes in everything you're doing, and there'll be some heated conversations. So when you're mm. pulling on your experience dealing with athletes, are they, is it comparable? Are there times where you can, I mean, problem solving and personal skills, and, and you know, trying to fix, you know, trying to convince, literally look someone in the eye and say, "Hey, you need you to trust me." Is that something you can pull on? Uh, it's a time thing, Louis. If you play with a straight bat, then time will take care of itself. You've just got to be honest with people, and sometimes people get uncomfortable with honesty. Um, but you know, you, you just have to start there. Um, it doesn't mean you can't move, but the reality is, you've got to be straight up with people. Um, you, you've got to listen to people and understand what their views are and, and why they are doing what they're doing to try and understand um, you know, with some high level of clarity that, that you've got it right in your thinking. Um, and then it's time. I mean, you earn trust over time. You can't buy it. You, you can't demand it. 
Uh, it's one of those things that your actions ultimately will give you that, I guess, that ability to move forward. So, look, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's racing personalities, athletes, human beings in general, it's about actions. It's not about words. Mm. And, and that's right. And that's what well, that's what you can see. I know you're action driven sort of character. Um, one things one thing at the moment that we're waiting for, and actually uh, at the end of March, I think there was a lot of uh, endpoints and, and goalposts for the, the Trentham track debacle. Mm. Um, you were really actions driven off the back of that. You said you wanted to look exactly at what infrastructure we had around the country, how we could best use it, and how we can avoid ha- this happening again. How eye-opening was that? Uh, was that experience getting to the bottom of what went on? And where do you feel like you've landed? Have you kicked a lot of those goals you set yourself? Uh, we haven't kicked them all, uh, and I'm a little bit disappointed with that we haven't kicked them on a time frame. A little thing called Omicron and COVID's interrupted the timing of it. We've definitely moved forward in terms of trying to understand the scope of the issue we have. Uh, the processes, uh, particularly on a race day, have been have been changed, and and I think that's important for the jockey safety and and everybody else. That you know, if there is a concern around an unsafe track, the way in which we identify that, because the last thing we want to do is put our jockeys who are vital to the to the industry in an unsafe position, put them out on a track that isn't safe. So there's been uh, there's been reform there. Uh, we're currently in the process of revisiting every track, getting a profile on it, understanding, I guess, the infrastructure requirements. Um, but it's, it's, you know, I said to uh, Tony Pike the other day when, you know, we had the sires two weeks ago at, at Manawatu, and, you know, it's no secret that that track is not up to where it needs to be for a what we're terming a metro track. Um, but as I said to him, unfortunately, mate, we can't get a working bee out on Saturday and fix it. It's one of those things that are going to take a bit of time. We're just going to have to navigate through as best we can. Uh, one thing I can say is working through draft budgets now for 22-23, uh, there'll be significant money poured into infrastructure to help um, the improvements around the country. So what, what does that look like, Bull? Like, what does that look like? Say I'm, say I'm a trainer and I'm used to going up to the local and, and taking my horses out and you know putting them in the truck and taking the race course. What does it look like for a local trainer on the horizon of race meetings like is it is it a centralized race day like we're we going to have Ellerslie for instance at the top of the North Island you know and we're going to have like CD races where's that going to be New Plymouth or or Otaki and then we're going to have Trentham what what does it what does the future of racing look like ideally what's that horizon Ven- look like you mean for from you? a venue's point of view yeah from a venue's point of view uh, it's a, that's a really good question, and probably the most contentious question that exists around New Zealand thoroughbred Greg racing. Kempe, Kempe's had yeah. big enough shoulders to ask it. Yeah. Oh, look, the simple version, I don't sit here today with that footprint. I think the industry needs some leadership in that space and needs to really get clarity on how we see it rolling out and why we see it rolling out that way. When you say the industry, who do you mean? Who needs clarity? Everybody. Uh, clubs, the, the trainers, uh, all stakeholders, the owners, everybody. Um, the, as I said earlier, the fact of the matter is we're 290 to 300 meeting business. So we've got to look at what, where our horses are, what, what our infrastructure requirements are. I think the fine balance for me, though, is you know, we need to race our best races on our best tracks. Why? Because it encourages wagering. Why do we want wagering? Because that pays everything. And so that's at the core of it. But the other thing that's unique to New Zealand is its connection with community. So 
you know, your West Coast circuits over Christmas, um, your provincial meetings through those holiday periods, they're huge because that's where we connect with our community. So we can't just turn our back on that. And I'm certainly not advocating that for one second. It's getting the balance right and how that works. So, you know, the, the other thing is, is minimising the cost to owners and everybody else. So the proximity to your major race events, to your horse numbers is critical. Um, and look, you know, I'd like to think in the fullness of time, we'll come up with a very clear vision of where it, where it is, what it looks like, and why. I think that the, the most important aspect is the why. Why are we doing this? And hopefully that will make a lot of sense. Yes, there'll be some people who say that's not right because it, it impacts on my life. Unfortunately, change does that to people. It happens every you know, I grew up in a small town where, <laughs> where we had... That's a beautiful town. Yeah, well, if you go back to when we grew up, and I'm just using Whitecher as one example of a, of a town that was so full of um, employment mm-hmm. and business activity. Prosperity. I mean, yeah. we, had, we had a thriving freezing works. We had a gas-to-gasoline plant called Modanui. Uh, we had dairy Swan factories, dry. we had Swan Dry, we had a um, motor assembly plant for Skoda in Subaru, wow. all within our town. There was employment everywhere. Well, what happened is as industry rationalises and things change, there's very little there now. So that's called change and evolution. You either roll with it, but you won't stop it. So as an industry, we have to start looking forward. We have to celebrate what was. And I keep saying to people, you know, you want a better tomorrow, we've well, got to be prepared to change today. Because you'll never get a better tomorrow if you're not prepared to change what you're doing today. Gee, that's profound. It is Easter Friday though, so and no, you're right. You're, you're right. You have you have to front foot that sort of thing. Bruce Sharrick, CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, is with us. Uh, Kempi Louie here, back where we were last night. We're self assured won the race. I kind of giggle to myself because it, it feels like it was like two minutes ago. Uh, a lot's ha- a lot's happened in between. Eight double eight double three. Uh, that's the text line. I want you to come through any questions you've got for Bruce regarding the thoroughbred code. We're going to talk all about self-assured throughout the morning. We'll try catch up with David Branch, CEO of Cambridge Raceway, a little bit later on to see how his big night played out. If you watched the race last night and self-assured climb, scaled the mountaintop in front of us here, what was your reaction? Did you think he could do it? And what were the celebrations like in your Friday? I tell you here, they were huge. We've got the trophy in front of us. It's Baz and Izzy for breakfast. We're going to be back with Bruce Sherrick and your questions. And a question from me on ownership after this. Um, but no, what I'm, saying, what I'm saying is that he used to pick me up from the airport. And then we'd, we'd cruise home, you know. And we'd, we'd, like, we'd, we'd go out and he'd, we'd end up... Leave it right till the last minute. I had to fly out, sort of, let's just say, for instance, I'd fly out uh, Monday morning and we'd go out and all night and Bruce say, you know, like, mate, you stay up with me, okay? We're, you know, we're going to drive back to Auckland. <laughs> it's four hours. And I'd go, yep, nah, I'm up with you. And we'd be sort of in a nightclub back then. We were young kids. And we'd get to, like, Waitara to Urunui was 8Ks and I would be asleep, mate. Eight k's out, and he always say, "You stay awake with me, hey, stay awake with me." And I was like, "Out." And I just remember, all, all I remember is Bull driving me from Waitara to the airport, all those years, over and over and over. And the reason I say the reason I say that is like, if you trust this bloke, he will take you on a journey. Seriously, in the racing industry, it's about leadership. It's about trusting people. Um, I had no. No qualms talking to Postley when he said to me, mate, I want to get into this play game. And I said, mate, go and talk to this bloke, you know. Go and talk to this bloke. You, you guys will be a success. Um, and, I, and I'm and i sitting here listening to Bull, and all I can see is this old man, you know. <laughs> like, 
his old man, he'd be laughing. Honestly, he he used to say to me, and but we'd go. He like, apart from saying, "When you're going to put a ring on that girl's finger," he would say, "If only we had my head on your shoulders." Remember that? He'd say, "If only we had my head on your shoulders," and I never ever got it. I never ever got that until I was an old man. Meaning, shit, I get it now. Like as a fifty-year-old, I go, "Yep," and he'd be sitting here going, "Yep, that's my boy. That's my boy," and the other one. <laughs> the other one they'll be arguing in the corner but um, yeah I just want to say Bull like part of that leadership journey is like you've sort of got the game in your hands you know what I mean like you're moulding it and you're, you're sort of it's like a you know it's all new and, and people are going who's this Bruce Sherrick how do you take those people and and say like just trust me just trust me and if you trust me like I did, and I'm, I'm advocating that, you know, just trust me and I'll take you on that journey and in five to ten years we're going to be in a better place. How do you do that? Oh, look, I've said it before. It's, it's just actions. You know, I've got to be very clear on what we're doing and, and I'm not there yet. I mean, there's a lot of pieces of this puzzle that we've got to pull together. But I think we don't have to overcomplicate it. The, the recipe going forward is about making sure our infrastructure's good enough to put on quality events, making sure that the engines that drive our revenue are, are being maximised. And for me, clearly that's a wagering side of our business. Under the new Act, we don't have uh, complete control over that. We can advocate for a, a more efficient wagering part of the business and, and we'll continue to do that mm. uh, through Race NZ and or directly to the TAB. Um, Mike Todd's come on board and uh, in initial discussions with Mike, he certainly gets the picture about where the TAB needs to go. And that's encouraging. Um, and and the other one is realising our assets and just driving revenue. Because, you know, if you go back to the, re- let, as I say, let's not overcomplicate it. The fact of the matter is if you've got a well-capitalised business and you've got money coming in, you've got options. When you're, when you're limited with your financial resource, it makes things very difficult. So we've got to keep tweaking the engines that drive the revenue. Who is New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing's ideal owner? It's ideal owner. Yeah. Who who do you see as your ideal horse owner? Oh, you mean owner of a of a horse? Yeah. Oh, look, I because I, I know like like Love Racing You guys do a great job pushing ownership. Um, you can go to Love Racing forward slash ownership, and you can um, get involved and look at all the opportunities. I know it's something you're very very passionate about. Well, f- before your time as yeah. CEO, it was a big push. Ownership, ownership, ownership. So. Who is that ideal person, and where is your personal stance on who the right owner is? Look, I think that's a really wide market. The, the reality is, I mean, if you look at the advent of things like, I'll give you an example, Sheezies. So there's an there's a, uh, introduction of something that the younger generation have got into. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got some disposable cash, so they've had a, a little bit of a flutter on, on the share market. Cryptocurrencies entered the world, and everybody's had a little dabble in cryptocurrencies. Cinerama coin. NFTs. I mean, so <laughs> what? What we have to do for that particular part of the generation is say, hey, now wh- why not invest with a group of friends like you saw last night and yeah. come along and enjoy yourself? Equally, as you go, you know, through the age spectrum, the fact of the matter is, there is, uh, I guess, syndication has seen huge growth, particularly in Australia, and we need to, and we're starting to see some movement here. We probably need to drive more of that as an industry, um, but clearly, you know, the participants are driving that because it's the way forward. Um, and, you know, when you think of it, think of it from any any sense, corporates, 
as a as a team type thing, having a having a horse, having investment as a as a company. Um, families. I mean, I was sitting around with our family two years ago. Um, my mother's side of the family. We talked about we don't really catch up. Um, and Alan suggested, why don't we get a horse? The fact of the matter is, you know, what a great way. The horse races sort of eight times a year it gives us eight times to get together at an event. So it's it's just thinking outside the square and trying to bring people into the industry that can enjoy what is a yeah, it's a thrilling time if you're lucky enough. But equally, that doesn't need to be your expectation. So. I, th- I think to answer your question, Louis, it's it's a very wide spectrum. There isn't no one profile owner, and I think that's one of the beauties of what we've got. That's good to hear. So tell us, Paul, you know, like, you know, when you said let's get into a horse, yeah, let's get Mac and drag him into that too. Um, tell us a little bit about your, you know, what family means to you. Like, let's talk a little bit about Bruce Sherrick. You know, he's, you know, got a beautiful brother and Alan Sherrick, our father, the sort of <laughs> our father. <laughs> he's listening. Stay too. with us, Kimby. Stay I with know, us. I know. Stay I know. with us. He's listening, Stay mate. With us. He's 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 laughing as he's listening. But tell us a little bit about Bruce Sherrick. What's family mean to you? You know, like you, like you've been a big part of my family. Like my son sat down with you last week to have a talk to you about his future. Um, you've been that sort of mentor to a lot of young people. I like, I can't sing your praises high enough. You know, like. I say to Louis, you know, you, you just really don't know Bruce Sherrick. You, you, you can trust him till the cows come home. But what's what's family mean to you in the context of what you've taken on? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I mean, I take everybody on face value. Uh, and at the end of the day, until they prove you otherwise, everybody is, is what you see. Um, one thing that, you know, this industry, I think, needs to improve on is there is a lot of self-sabotage that goes on you know uh we've got to be better than that guys we've we've got to we've got to pull together and we're all in this uh, look i get competitiveness Ah, very good point you know being competitive is what drives everything Mm -hmm. so i get that but not when you start playing the man and not the ball the difference between the nastiness that it's that's my the one thing coming from an outside perspective from Bit of more of a sports media uh, lens coming Mm. into racing bruce it's the one thing that is my biggest bugbear is why the industry turns on itself mm. the tall poppy nature of new zealand mm. is amplified in droves and racing and it yep. drives me crazy yeah and look my experience through the other codes you know and i'll use rugby league as one you can have some very robust discussion about player movement player negotiation and it can get it can get yeah it can get quite tough sure but once it's done it's done yeah and you move on um racing seems to hold on to a few things and we need to we need to be better than that and uh I certainly want to encourage that. I mean, but to, to answer the question around family, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Dad always had a great saying, you don't want to be advertising for Paul Bearer's boy. So, you know, you've got to hold on to the people close to you and treat people well because, you know, the material things in life don't define you. It, it's it's the relationships you build. It's the people you meet. Uh, so it's not about that. And as I say... Just be straight up with people. And sometimes that's difficult. Some people find it very difficult. But just be honest. Bang on. Awesome. I love that messaging. And, and I, as I said, I cannot endorse more. I just wish that we could get on a little bit more. Get out of our own way as an industry. And, and that's from trainers to jockeys to owners to syndicators to administrators to media types. I just think we all need to work together a little bit more. And mm. oh, it's so good, so refreshing to hear the big cheese 
um, sharing that message. Hey, we're at Cambridge Raceway, and they're working this morning because the industry never sleeps. Last night, it was self-assured getting the job done in the race by Grins, and they're out here working horses again this morning. It's so good to be here. Baz Nizzi for breakfast. We'll relive the moment self-assured won the race last night throughout the show. Here till 11 with Kempe. Right now, we've got Bruce Sharrock. We're going to head off, come back, and I'm going to ask him for some punting war stories after this. Here in Cambridge at Cambridge Raceway. We were here last night to see Self Assured conquer the race by Grins, and we're back this morning until 11. Izzy Dag is going to join us. Yeah, Izzy Dag on Izzy for breakfast. Can't wait for Izzy after. What's that? Is he awake? Yeah. Is he? Wake up. He was mate. awake before you. No. I don't believe it. He's going to join us to talk all things Super Rugby and explain why the Crusaders will give the Blues a hiding tonight in uh, Christchurch. Blues so, by 20. <laughs> I could not disagree more. Um, <laughs> right now, we've got about five more minutes with the CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. Hutchie passes on his regards. Bruce? Oh, good. I'm looking forward to meeting him in uh, early May. I think he's coming over. He is. Uh, mm. It'll be great to have the big dog back on campus over here at SCNZ. Now, I know he and we, SCNZ... Hutchie, be, Hutchie, whatever Bruce says about me, not true. We value our relationship with New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing um, greatly. I think it's been an awesome partnership. I hope you've appreciated some of the work we've done since we've been on air. Um, just having opportunities to be with you today, and I think when Trackside Radio shut down, you lost that connection yes. with, the, with the, uh, the people on the ground, so it's great to be back and doing things like this. Yeah, look, absolutely, you know, and I mean, we all understand, well, we may not understand, but it, you know, Trackside Radio was brought to an end for, for the reasons that, that we're floating around, and I think what SNZ is doing is great. Uh, the industry certainly enjoys the engagement um, and, and looking forward to the growth and the partnerships going forward, so yeah, fantastic job. I'll guys. tell you what though, Bolt, I'll tell you what, they hired me for my punting. Oh, you're an amazing punter. You're I know. outstanding. You're just, a, you're just the man, Kim P.A. Yesterday, Al Sherrick, Al Sherrick, when I phoned him on the way down, he said, I can't believe it. Now you're tipping harness races. Yeah. And I tipped out the first and I. Did I tip out the first or not? Because yeah, you, y- yes, I you tried did. to phone you yes, and you say, did. did you get on that? And you so did. <laughs> you're, you, you are the man, Kim P.A. You've been tipping everything. We did have a fill-up on Cinerama uh Two starts back at Trentham. It was a great Wasn't day. Wasn't a great race? Um, and she's just been done down there on mm. a funny old track. Where was that? That was a uh, lovely O2. ride, though. O- that was a lovely ride. Yeah. yeah. No, no, just no. About uh, take- Manawatu. Manawatu. It was Albany, mm. wasn't it? Um, I asked you before we head off, I said, we'll get some punting stories because you, you, need, you, need the, you need the CEO to have got the big fat wallet out once or twice and, and have, have, have a bet. So what was your last bet? What was your first bet? And what's your next bet? Um, my last bet was clearly last night, um, and I backed the third horse in the big race. Yeah. I didn't back the favourite. And you know what? Shame on you for that. Yeah, well, hey. I actually took a decent Quinella with the winner, so I just missed. The man. Oh, Tell him about no, that bet, missed. mate. Tell him about that bet we, that, that S- day Alan told us we'd, we'd win Dan. some money. Steely Dan. Was this, were you involved in the It was the me first... and Bruce, mate. It was me and Bruce. It was a $1,000 oh, yeah. bet. Yeah, the the big guy next to me is rolling around on the floor. <laughs> we're working at freezing work. Sounds I think like last we're about we're 16, 17. And, a thousand uh, bucks. And yeah. My first ever bet. He's doing good money at the freezing works. <laughs> Holiday jobs. And uh, Alan said, there's a winner. We said, yeah, we're in. So uh, in those days, it was a phone call to someone and we, we got the money on. We listened and didn't win. And he said... He said, just joking, eh? I said, no, nah, mate, we're in. <laughs> just joking. I did, I did, mate. We're just joking, eh? I said, no, nah, no, nah, we're, we're in. Just, just, like, just hoping. 
was, I, I was grasping, mate. I, was, I, I could see it we flying away. Joking. I was like, "Hey, yeah, we're just joking." He, the other thing with Al, you know, like he goes like this on the on the on the breakfast bench. Well, he's just floor. laughing, mate. And he, he he was in the fetal position on the floor, going, "No, no." I said, "Yeah, mate, we're in. We're gonna have to find the money." What's your next bit? Um, I'm, I'm gonna have a dabble. I got I got told one last night um, at Riverton of all places. <laughs> So I'm going south. Sure, okay. Uh, last race, get out stakes. Um, horse called Prince Albie. Prince Albie. Yeah. Love it. It's got a ring to it. Yeah. Okay. And the last, Riverton, get out stakes. Um, this weekend we've got uh, the Thoroughbred Breeders at Tarapa. That's tomorrow, just down the road. Coventina yep. Bay. Oh. oh. For the Naki. Yeah, 100%. Yep, I think Coventina Bay is a great bet. I think Imperatriz is too short, even though she's got the weight difference in Opie. Um, I think Coventina Bay is probably going different gravy this season. Um, it's been awesome to catch up. It's been great fun, actually. It's definitely woken us up and uh, some confronting issues we've got to work through as an industry. But uh, look, as uh, Kempi says, I think you're probably the right man for the job. Clarity and 100%. pragmatism. So it's just about building that relationship with the industry yeah. from here and starting to you know make some small movement, right? Yeah, and look, and, and in, in closing, I guess I'd say to, to the industry that's listening, look, the front door's open. Give us a yell. I mean, if there's something that you genuinely want to have a discussion about, as I've said to many, if you, if you want to poke a shot and um, highlight the problems, we've got plenty of those. If you want to give me a call about some problems and a, and a, a reasonable solution, then let's have a discussion. So I'm certainly not sitting here saying we've got all the answers. What I am saying is we've got some issues we need to fix. Um, and we've got some really exciting stuff sitting in front of us that I think we uh, we can get on top of and make this place a whole lot better in the, in the next short while. Bang on. CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, Bruce Sharrock, who's been good enough to join us at Cambridge Raceway this morning, back where we won the race last night, Harness Racing. Louis Herman Watt, Kempe, on site, absolutely loving it. It's the sun dawns, and hey, if you're in the Cambridge re- region and you, you want to offer us a beer while well, we take this trophy back to Auckland, Get in on, touch. John. It's going to be a big afternoon. We're going to be back with Izzy Dag talking some Super Rugby after this. Here comes. I'm actually going to go find myself a cafe coffee. Are they open today? We'll go find out. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba da ba ba ba. Available after 10:30 a.m. for a limited time only.